Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from Luke, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so so you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil had finished, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here we are on this first Sunday of Lent, withdrawing from the world once again. We travel with Jesus for a season into the spiritual wilderness. Physically, we join him by giving up things if we choose. But once again, even if you fast from chocolate or sugar or social media or whatever other pleasure you choose this year, I also advise you to take on a new practice of caring for yourself in a new way, like exercising more, giving to new causes, taking more naps, or whatever else might improve your personal health. We've been through a lot these past two years, and we should honor our sacrifices by taking care of ourselves. Perhaps more significantly, though, we as a church Practice withdrawing from the world spiritually, just as Christ did by traveling to the desert immediately after his baptism. In our congregation, we have removed the cross from the altar and replaced it with sackcloth and twigs, placing the Christ candle at the middle. That's what that is, by the way, the Christ candle. We keep it lit all the time, as much, much as possible. Uh, We have spiritually suspended our expectations of the resurrection for a season, and we are instead focusing on wandering with Christ through the bare woods and the weeds, 
through the sackcloth and the ashes that this world has an ample supply of. We have also raised the cross to a higher, more prominent location as we do every year, with a renewed focus that all of the pains and discomforts of the season prepare us for their ultimate fulfillment on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem. We withdraw from the world as a season of preparation for all of this. Yet, it is a paradox, right? The world around us is warming up and the sun is shining. Why be mournful amid such nice weather? Our season of pandemic seems to be rapidly waning. While people in our country and in Montana have been kind of all over the map on how seriously we have taken re recommended precautions through all of this, people in states now seem to be easing up on restrictions pretty much, um, pretty much everywhere. Why be solemn right now? Shouldn't we be celebrating in crowds like never before? Don't ask my wife to fact check that one. <laughs> the world is coming alive again like it is not for some time. Shouldn't we be jumping back in, congregating, celebrating, connecting, rejuvenating, and rejoicing? Perhaps. Perhaps. But here we are, caught in this paradox of withdrawal when the world seems the most safe and appealing that it has been for some time, both physically and socially, we are choosing to get all drab and dull again. More than that, we are choosing to pull away and reflect on what Christ has done for us in relative isolation with great intentionality. It is indeed a paradox to withdraw when the world beckons and tempts you to join in the celebration. These realities conflict with one another, a contradiction between how we might feel otherwise and how we choose to feel and act. It is as though we are intentionally laying down our joy for God in ways that spites ourselves, but elevates our connection to the divine all the more. Paradox indeed. <clears throat> if we are being honest, though, our, our whole lives are filled with paradox. It is no secret that life and reality often confound our expectations. It is often said that humans make plans so that God can laugh. Cannot recall the nearly limitless stories I have heard how people, for instance, how people have got to some small faraway place or another, much like Ronan, Montana. And they say things like, I never imagined I would end up in a place like this. But it just happened that way. As much as we may try to move the world around us, often the world moves us more than we can ever move it. More to the point, God God moves, pushes, cajoles, and directs us in ways that are impossible for us to ever predict. 
The movements provide a paradox for us who try to be faithful to ourselves, faithful to those we love, and faithful to the God who made us. By discerning and following God's will for our lives, only to find out that faithfully following God's will for our lives often means doing the exact opposite of what we expect that means. We are simultaneously sinners and saints. Paradox. We are simultaneously slaves to sin, but freed by God's grace. Paradox. We are in the world, but not of it. Paradox. We are called to go out into all nations, preaching the gospel and obeying all that Christ commanded, only to be called in the season to withdraw once again. Paradox. I do not think I have told many of you yet about the surreal personal conflict that I had when I was called to Montana straight out of seminary. Now, I think I have made it clear that I wanted to move to the mountains. That you guys get that, right? <clears throat> even, and this began, even I had a desire to move to the Mountain West even before I began my seminary studies. Along with my applications to various schools, I would look up the calls that were open at the time on the websites for Lutheran churches in places like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, and Utah. It is kind of foolish when I look back on it, knowing what I know now about our process of being both sent and called within the ELCA. But it reveals that part of my discernment to serve as a pastor was a genuinely discerned desire to serve out west. However, as soon as I began studying at Wartburg Seminary in Dubuque, Iowa, the professors, processes, and realities of the church forced me into a long process of doubting my western discernment I'm trying to content myself with ministry in the upper Midwest. There are far more Lutheran churches with far higher need of first-call pastors in places like Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and the Dakotas. Additionally, at the end of my first year, there were literally no extra church positions available for the seniors that were graduating that year because our nation and world in 2011 was still reeling from the financial blows of the Great Recession. Like so many other businesses and institutions, churches could not afford to pay pastors, much less hire them. And so it seemed like dreaming of serving in places with far fewer churches and churchgoers as is the reality here in Montana was a bit too pie in the sky. Over the next several years, um, I'm sorry, this is pretty weird for me. Yeah, there we go. Over the next several years, there was a lot more to this story. But suffice it to say that up until the end of this four-year process, I was instructed and encouraged to doubt my discernment to serve in the West and content myself with geographical areas that I did not feel called to 
personally. Well, lo and behold, in the winter of 2014, I received a call from Bishop Jessica Christ. I was actually at a Mexican restaurant with my friends, and I had to like run out into the cold winter <laughs> take the call in the parking lot. Bishop Jessica Christ, the bishop of the Montana Synod at the time, she welcomed me to the Synod and said that she had a church in mind for me. I was elated. Perhaps God did really want me to serve out west. After all, we believe our process is, uh, in the church is guided by the Holy Spirit, not just by individual impulse or practical hiring needs or anything like that. So I felt reaffirmed in my initial discernment that God wanted me out west too. As you all know, my paperwork was sent here to Faith in Ronan, and I am still preaching to you from the same pulpit today. So, so it goes, right? But what I do not think I have told most of you was how paradoxical my experience of moving out here and taking on the call to serve as your pastor was for, the first, for my first year here, especially the first six months. Now be reassured. This is no fault to the good people of Faith Lutheran here in the wider Mission Valley. The main part you play in this saga, this personal saga of mine, is calling me to be your pastor. Again, well done. <laughs> no, the paradox of my experience of assuming this call is that I had been led to doubt my desires to serve where I wanted to for several years. <clears throat> and was directed to serve where I did not want to serve. For years, I had been led to believe that my call journey would upend my discernment, lead me to places I did not initially want to be, and that the work of the Holy Spirit would be all the clearer for the experience. I would get to send somewhere I didn't want to go, and then I would like it somehow, and then there you go, that's God, right? What did it mean that I got sent to a place I wanted to go. <laughs> I had been led to believe that my discernment of believing that it just might be God's will for me to serve out west was somehow more my will than the will of God and more in service of myself than in service of the church. So I listened and doubted deeply. Now, I came with this doubt firmly entrenched in my soul as I took up this call beneath the glorious, breathtaking beauty of the Mission Mountains. It was surreal, enrapturing, exciting, and renewing. Paradoxically, though, it somehow felt wrong, tainted in ways that are hard to describe. I had spent years forcing myself to envision my first call being lived out somewhere on the Great Plains or amongst the frozen chosen, as some Midwesterners like to say about themselves. Steve? You're frozen chosen? Okay. <laughs> it felt as though it was a call that was not supposed, I was not supposed to be serving in, even though I was loving every minute of it. It is hard to describe as anything other than an experience of paradox. 
It was as though God's will was competing with my will, the will of the church, and the needs of the world. It was hard to make sense of. Well, as I've been here longer, I am proud and ashamed to say that they were both wrong and right. More paradox for you. I do believe that I was called here, and it was God's will for me to serve here. In different ways, though, it was wrong for me to desire to be here because I thought it would be all hiking and snowboarding and church fun, right? Let me explain what I mean. Thankfully, the initial paradoxical experience I had when I arrived, er, when I arrived faded as I lived here a little longer. This made it easier to envision myself here more long-term, to really dig in and get going with the work of ministry. However, I think as many of us experience, the Mission Valley can be a hard place to live. Our lives are filled with experiences, sufferings, and struggles that do not always square with the mountainous beauty around us. As I served here a little longer, I experienced the paradox of gazing upon the elevated beauty of the missions and having to look over households that I knew are filled with violence, places where I know people are enslaved to their addictions, and even homes where people despair of life itself. Over time, became evident that the beauty of where we live is filled with the paradoxes that we all know too well. There are many hardships and struggles to survive and thrive in this beautiful place. Paradoxical realities that are difficult for tourists, first-time residents, and weekenders to really understand. No offense, Scott and Tina. <laughs> Do not share this reflection to bring us all down, but rather to be honest about the realities that I feel many, if not all, of us live out from time to time. The good news of this paradoxical season of Lent amidst the renewed sunshine and warmth of spring, though, is that God and Jesus Christ lived into this paradox for us, too. The Son of God left the heights of heaven, the mountainous wonders of the divine, to make a home amidst the weak and the lowly, the oppressed and despairing, the hungry and the homeless, the forgotten and the lonely. Throughout his life, when he had high points of great celebration, like hosting a meal for thousands out of nothing, or at his baptism when he was claimed as God's beloved Son, he again embraced the paradox of refusing to revel in the good times and instead withdrew from the world that welcomed him in new and easy ways. Before being born as a humble, vulnerable child in a manger, he had lived in eternal glory and immense beauty that is more surreal than anything we can imagine. Jesus, Jesus instead embraced the humility of our mortality 
so that he could bring the wonders of the mountainous heights of the heavens to homes that are broken, people that are hurting, lives that feel worthless, and bring to them the surreal light and love of God. He began all this wonderful, glorious, beautiful work by first withdrawing to the desert to be taunted by the devil for a long and arduous season. We join him in this paradoxical experience again this week. Welcome. And be, do not be daunted. Good things are in store for those of us who prepare for the cross. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.